Uh, Glenn was telling me this morning that Becca called and said that uh, she, uh, on the way back that she had gotten a call. Roseanne did. This is the speaker. And uh, Roseanne had gotten a call from, I guess, maybe it was from her mother, I'm not sure. But her father, which had had a, an earlier accident and uh, hurt himself and hurt his arm, um, which uh, they were aware of, but I guess now uh, they got a call. He may have had a, a heart, some kind of a heart situation. It was a heart attack or um, something going on there. Uh, so it, he is a missionary in Mexico. I don't know exactly where. Um, but I, I thought we should uh, take just a moment to pray for him and uh, just pray that everything will turn out um, uh, well for him and that uh, situation he's in. Uh, and, of course, just be with Roseanne and, and comfort her. And I'm sure she'd like to be with her dad and during this time. Maybe she will. I don't know. All right, so let's, uh, let's just uh, pray. Father, we thank you. We realize, Lord, you have a purpose. You have a plan. Uh, Lord, we're uh, desiring to be in the center of that as individuals and as a body. Uh, Lord, that your will could be done. That Lord, the time uh, that we have, the, the, the generation we live in, Father, would be uh, that your will would be best accomplished as it possibly could be uh, through your church, through your people. Uh, Lord, we ask you to be with uh, Roseanne and uh, especially with her father. And uh, we thank you for him and his calling and uh, his surrender. Uh, father, to go uh, away from his homeland, from his family, uh, to live and uh, be one that either starts churches or... Uh, Lord has a church there in uh, in Mexico. We ask you, Lord, whatever the uncertainty is, uh, uh, whether it's his from the fall or the the heart issue, uh, Lord, your hand would be upon him, and we ask you to bless fathers only you can, and give uh, the family grace and him as well, Father, uh, to trust you. Help that we pray for his recovery, for his healing. Uh, Lord, that he could continue on doing what you've called him to do. Uh, Lord, if this is a benefit in some spiritual way, may it produce uh, what you will and uh, a greater faith, a greater trust, a greater love for you. I, I pray that those things would be accomplished in this. Again, thank you, Lord. We thank you for answered prayer in our own midst. Uh, we just pray you continue to work. Uh, pray also for Sister Diane. Lord, just be with her. Uh, continue to strengthen her and give her grace, Father, for each day. Uh, Lord, that uh, in this cancer thing would be uh, somehow neutered, that it would be able to not affect her life. Uh, Lord, just give her uh, a love for you that maintains uh, her faith and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you that to, to always bring your Bible to church. Uh, it is the authority. Uh, it's where we understand the mind of God, the heart of God, the spirit of God. 
Uh, there's many that claim to follow the Word of God. Uh, and, but unless you have a good uh, understanding yourself, you could be deceived by uh, those that say that they have the truth. And, and yet you're taking their word for it more than you are uh, your own personal knowledge of it. Uh, and I, wanna, I want you to know that that's, God intends for you to, to be uh, independent enough to be able to, uh, uh, even for a church, you know, your, your input, your, guide, your personal understanding is very important for the purity of the church as well. Um, you know, uh, certainly God has gifted the church with leaders and people that uh, are to be pastors and examples, but uh, they are uh, flesh too. They can fail. They can they can uh, be misguided. And uh, but you have to have your own personal walk, and uh, that's the reason uh, there's great. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is pressing upon us as a church to, to memorize, to study the word of God. As the Bible says, we're just to show ourselves approved unto God. And, and we are to be workmen. Uh, you think about it, uh, for the work of the ministry. Uh, as it's not out of line. Some says we, we need to be using what we've learned. That's biblical. That For someone to say that is right. Uh, not just to fill our heads with knowledge that puffs us up, and uh, but to be filled with the with the passion that God has for for souls to be saved. I want to I want to <clears throat> give a message this morning on a uh, I don't know how you want to title it, but it seems that uh, there is a battle. We have, there's all kinds of battles that we face. Uh, the the book of Ephesians speaks of that as soldiers that are well uh, equipped to face these spiritual battles because we, they're not battles of, against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, uh, workers of darkness. And so to know our enemy and how he works and how he works through our weaknesses and, and, uh, and uses those weaknesses against us uh, and if you can understand that and you, and you can be even more prepared to do battle against uh, whatever he might have for us. The battle is against bitterness. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, that uh, bitterness is something that I, I don't think, the, I don't know of a person yet that I've met that's ever been exempt from it. Uh, bitterness is just part of who we are in our human nature. And uh, it can it can function in a in a positive way, believe it or not, or it can also function in a negative way. And I'm going to try to give you all those uh, things that are in there. I'm going to try to start off with the idea of first of all uh, some examples from the Bible uh, of bitterness. If you take your Bibles and turn, this is going to be more of a topical message. Not going to plant too long in any any one place. Um, but in Genesis chapter number 3, if you'll turn there uh, at, the, at the very beginning, uh, we'll see here that where we see even the root of, uh, of this human nature, as we see in the person of Adam, um, Genesis chapter number 3, and we're going to 
read down through. Let's stand out of respect for the word of God. Genesis chapter number 3, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of, God, of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. And I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, and above every beast of the field, and every upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. <clears throat> Lord, you have a, uh, a divine purpose, Father, for your church and the message for this morning. I pray that, Lord, we'd understand, uh, Lord, if, if bitterness is a part of who we are, and, Lord, have we uh, your ability to overcome, uh, Lord, the kind of bitterness that could undermine your work, your will, and, uh, Lord, our lives, our family. Father, I pray that you'd bless as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I'm going to give you this first illustration. It's not the only one in the Bible, but I guess because uh, the first instance of we see here of this idea of uh, focusing in on bitterness. Here we have the example that the man, which is was supposed to be the leader of his home, and as you see that when he failed, God sought him out. And right away he begins to make excuse in the much that he was bitter in the sense against his wife. And bitter in the sense not only against his wife but against God. It always works that way when it comes to bitterness. Yes, it may be a resentment against someone. But ultimately it's a bitterness against God. 
And let me say, if you haven't figured this out, people will do you wrong. That's, that's the norm. It may be someone you love. It may be somebody you're intimate with. It could be somebody you're, a, you're just only an acquaintance with. Or it could be somebody you don't even know. The ability to be bitter against someone is very, very easy to be imposed upon us. Here we have this bitterness, and we see here that the bitterness is, is there because of poor choice. God had given Adam the ability to make the right choice, and he chose not to do what he needed to be, to be the husband and and to stand strong and to be what he should be. And instead of taking that responsibility upon himself that I failed, he turned around and he did what? Blame somebody else. It always works that way. It's never our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. One of the problems with that, and you understand that Yes, maybe she tempted him to eat of the apple, and maybe, but see, God had given him the ability not to be tempted by his wife, or even to be tempted of himself. Though he didn't eat it, the fact of the matter was he did eat, he did take partake of it. Not only did he eat it, but he was failed in his responsibility. So I understand one of the reasons that we see here is bitter because you, of your poor choice. You know, the big, very first part of, of any kind of correction in our life or any type of healing in our life is the ability to see where we fail. It takes humility to do that. And it takes the ability to be able to confess that before God. And even to those around you that you've failed. We see a second example in the book of Ruth. You'll take your Bibles and turn there. It's right after the book of Judges. We, don't, we haven't been in Ruth probably many, many times. But it's right after the book of Judges. Matter of fact, this was during the time of Judges. And uh, if you can understand this a little bit, that... Um, <clears throat> There was a famine in the land. Probably no particular reason blamed upon uh, Naomi and her husband. But maybe they were a recipient of God's judgment against the whole nation of Israel. For there to be a famine in the land. But you see here, and I want you to read this with me. In chapter number 1, you'll see in verse number 19... And the Bible says, so they, they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were in Bethlehem. And this is their return from the Moabitish land. And if you'll know anything about the book of Ruth, that during that time where, where they sojourned in this foreign land because of the famine, that Naomi lost her husband. And not only did she lose her husband, but the two sons that were born, uh, Naomi and her husband, were also died. A premature death. When the 
the sons and her husband were both gone, she make, made the determination that it was time to go back. She heard it was better in the land of Israel and it was better to go back. And as we read here in verse number 19, she made this decision. And she got back to the t- place of Bethlehem and the Bible says the city in verse number 19 was moved about them and they said, is this Naomi? It almost forgot who it was. Is this the one that left and went sojourned in another land? And the Bible says in verse 20, 20, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Verse number 21, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? She says, I need to change my name to bitter. Here we have another example in the Bible. Not only can we be bitter from choices that we make that are poor, but we can also be bitter from poor choices of others. I believe that probably under the direction of her husband, they decided to go to this Moabitish land. Actually were enemies of the Lord and dwell there. Maybe she had a hand in that choice. Maybe she complained to her husband. The Bible doesn't uh, tell us that. Maybe she just uh, didn't have the faith to say, Honey, I think we can make it. I think we'll be okay. I, I realize that we don't have everything that we need, but it isn't in the will of God that we go to another country. Or maybe she didn't have that ability to do that. And now she feels that <clears throat> God's goodness and God's mercy has been turned away from her. But notice there's something good that comes out of this. Though she had made uh, bitter because of what had happened to her, one thing that I don't think she did is she blamed God. Instead of blaming God, she did what? She justified. God did what he had to do. God did what he had to do to bring us to a place of recognition of what we did wasn't the right thing to do. So in all cases, in many cases, bitter may not be a bad choice. And if it brings you to your place of understanding that you need to justify God. It doesn't take away from what you've experienced. It doesn't take away from the things that have happened to you in in this life. and What's gone on in this life, but it has turned you around. In other words, it has brought you to a place of repentance. Let's look at another one. Or maybe we'll just take, for time's sake, remember Judas in the New Testament? Remember Judas as he he, uh, was betrayed Christ in the temple? And he took the money that he had been given to, uh, to trade, be a trader. 
And then he changed his mind. He took the money and he, he took the cost, the cost of blood and he cast it in after he said, I've, I've, def, I've defiled uh, innocent blood. And he was bitter. But the problem with this kind of bitterness, but the poor choice, instead of recognizing and understanding and I made a mistake and I, I did that which was wrong instead of justifying God he took his own life you ever think your bitterness would ever take you to a place to take your own life listen many people each day in this world take their own life Sometimes we don't understand where bitterness will take us. We don't understand that that little thing, that that, that, that little problem that has, has taken place in your life will ever lead you to a place that you thought you'd never, ever be. Do you think Judas, as the beginning of his time with the Lord Jesus Christ, would ever realize that by the time it's all said and done, he would be taking his own life. What a shame that is. Let's take a look at another one with the book of Job. We're not going to turn again there for the sake of time, but I want you to see that Job was considered by God to be an upright man. How many remember that? God lavished upon him some great praises. Look at my man Job. But God had a idea for growth for Job. Job wasn't as good as he was. Job was never perfect and will never be perfect. We may live this life, Christian life, the best we can. And, and we may do some right things. But listen, there's always going to be room for growth. If you follow along, we know that Job was bitter. For almost 30 chapters, God was trying to get him to see what his need was and what God wanted to accomplish in his life. I dare say that sometimes we as Christians, God spends a lot of time trying to get us to grow. And I, as your pastor, I spend, I know, a lot of times with certain subjects in, in this church. And I, if I would go back through the book that I keep all my sermons in... Some of my sermons are repeats. You say, well, you just don't have anything else to preach? No. There's certain issues that some people just never really get a handle on. And if you don't get a handle on it, it's not that God gives up on you. God just continues and continues and continues. And in Job's life, it was 30 chapters. And many of those, if you look up the, the idea of bitterness, you'll see Job was bitter through many of the things that God was trying to instruct him in. He continually tried to justify himself. Now think with me. How far did God have to go to get Job's attention? How far did he have to go? Remember, he lost all of his wealth. Are you listening? He lost all, everything, the money, his land, everything that he had, he lost that. 
That didn't finish it. He lost his children and all of his family. He got down to losing his health. This is a person God lifted up and says, look at my man Job. You say, can a good Christian become bitter? <laughs> oh my. We're most prone to it. You say, why? Because we stand and we stand and we stand and it takes faith and it takes time in the Word and it takes persistence with the Lord. It takes prayer. It takes a, 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 a hand of God upon you. To live for the Lord Jesus Christ in a lost and dying world and never ever becoming bitter because of it. But God says, listen, if you're going to grow as a Christian, you've got to continue to maintain. And God is going to do things in your life, listen to me, to get your attention to grow. Will he use your finances? <laughs> Will he use your health? Will he use certain things that are soft to your heart, like your family? Because God says, listen, I have a plan and I have a purpose. You have been bought with a price. You're mine. I can do with you as I will. And all we have to do is be what? Surrender. Lord, thy will be done here on earth. It isn't heaven, right? Isn't that the Lord's prayer? I, it, whatever you will, Lord, I, I'm, not, I'm taking my hands off the wheel. I'm letting you have full control of my life. Job's problem is, was his pride. Do you think that Christians can have pride? Oh, my. Spiritual pride is probably one of the most negative things that you can see. You know what keeps people from wanting to get saved, come to church? It's because they see spiritual pride in you. And listen, you may not see it, but lost people see it. They recognize it. We have another person in the Bible before we close, and I want to give you this one. Listen, this was also a Christian. Saul. I mean, remember Saul. Oh, wow. He was king. He was designated by God. When God confronted him about his lack of faith and obedience through the prophet Samuel, instead of repentance and faith, he became bitter. So listen, this battle with bitterness is very, very real in the Bible. It's something that if we don't deal with in a proper way, it will get control of your life. It will make a, you'll make, a, make bad decisions and judgments because of bitterness. So how do we deal with it? Somebody help me. How do we deal with bitterness? The only way I know to deal with it is through this book. If you don't know what this book says of how to deal with bitterness, then listen, you're going to be a victim to bitterness. See, God uses issues in our life. You take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter number 1. 
Romans chapter number 1. We, I think, underestimate there is a value to bitterness. Because we know, and first thing you've got to know, that bitterness is not something that can remain in your life. You cannot allow bitterness for one moment. If you think you can, you can harbor bitterness in your life and continue to be a Christian, a good Christian, then you're missing the boat when it comes to the understanding the Bible says. First of all, you have to recognize it and know that bitterness is sin. Say it with me. Bitterness is... I didn't hear you. Bitterness is sin. Say it again. Bitterness is sin. So when you have bitterness and you continue to maintain it, then you err not knowing that it is sin. Now God can use bitterness and God will, will, will allow bitterness, but he uses it for his glorious end. Look at what it says in Romans chapter number 2, I'm sorry. In verse number 1, it says, Therefore, and he's making this idea of sin in our lives, that it has to be dealt with. He says in verse number 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou judgest, doest the same thing. So we are at an issue with someone or something that has happened to us. Usually it's by somebody else. And God says, listen, you, you can't judge them. You're just like them. The issue that you're pointing out in their life, you have the same one. Verse number two. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which... which do such thing and doest the same thing that thou escape the judgment of God? Or despisest the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance. Well, what is this goodness God is talking about? Is it the fact that he made you and he created you? Is that his goodness? Is, he, is the goodness the fact that you have food and and raiment, you have a place to live. Is that the goodness he's talking about? Amen. Listen, the goodness he's talking about there when God does something to get your attention. Isn't that good that God does something to get your attention? You know, God, it, it, when things are going good and, and things are going smooth and you have everything that you need in your life, that will not lead you to a place of repentance. It never works that way. If you don't deal with your kids, they don't come to a, 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 a you don't correct them about something that they're doing in their life. Uh, they just keep on doing what is, boy, when mom, dad come down on them and deal with them, all of a sudden they change their mind about what they're doing that is wrong. You the parents know what I'm talking about, right? They come to a place, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, that was wrong. Oh, that, that hurt. Oh, that, that was a... I, I realize now I, I won't do that anymore. Listen. God uses his chastening 
or the fact that you're out of the will of God doing something that's causing your own pain. And by the way, if you didn't know this, this is the first step in salvation. God is working in lost people's lives. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that's lost. And if you're lost, you're not certain about your salvation. God is doing, God is pressing upon you in a very challenging way in your life to turn to him. That's as simple as it can be said. You've tried to live your life outside the will of God. You've tried to live your life without the word of God. You've tried to live your life without the presence of God. And God's saying, no, I love you too much to let you go to hell. I love you too much to let you remain in your sin. I love you too much. I sent my only begotten son that you might know him as your savior. And I'm not going to allow you to go into eternity cursed because no one tried to put up their hand and say, stop, you're hurting yourself. Salvation is a gift of God. And listen, I believe when God deals with us and corrects us and changes and puts up his hand and says, stop. And whatever he's doing to get your attention, you ought to get on your knees and say, thank you, Jesus. Are you listening, Christian? Are you listening, lost person? You ought to say, God, thank you. I realize that I've tried to live my life without you. I realize I've turned myself on top of my head. And God, I want to thank you for getting my attention. That never changes from the time that you get lost to being saved to the time you're going to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. If you're without chastisement, God doesn't even consider you a son. And chastisement leads us to a place of, 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 of recognizing. Either it leads you to repentance, and by the way, somewhere between God's chastening and repentance, there may be a little land called bitterness. Are you listening? And some people stay in that land of bitterness way, way too long. It ought to be immediate. Listen to me, Christian. When God allows something challenging in your life to the degree it ought never land in this area, this no man's land of bitterness. Yes, it could be for there for a moment, maybe for a day or a week or, or something until you recognize, well, I can't be here in this land. Uh, this is sin. When I'm bitter, it's sin. Say it, Christian. When I'm bitter, it's sin. And when you live in this world and things turn you up, uh, life upside down and you're lost and you, and you want to be bitter and you want to, even to the place of, uh, I'm, I want to hurt my own self. And you say, that's not right. What does the Bible say the devil does? He walketh about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may, what? Devour or destroy. He wants lost people to be so consumed in their bitterness and their anger and resentment that they turn against God and blame God and say, God, it's your fault. Instead of recognizing it's the goodness of God leading them to God. And what, would it not be wise on the Christian's part to understand this from the very get-go that God is working in my life and I don't want to land in this place of bitterness and I'm going to go from the chastening of God to the place of repentance. 
not going to land in this place of bitterness. Shame on you if you're there now. You're doing damage not only to yourself, but you're doing damage to your children. You're doing damage to your children. You're doing damage to those that are looking at you and and wondering about Jesus, whether he, he really is the Savior. Because they see your spirit. How many have ever been around somebody that's bitter? Oh, it hurts, doesn't it? They're a mess. Oh, they, they, all their thinking's tainted. All their relationships are tainted. Their view of everything is being tainted by this staying in this land of bitterness. There's a battle. Take your Bibles and let's see if we can find some ways that we can overcome the idea of bitterness. Proverbs chapter number 14, if you will. Proverbs chapter number 14. There's a reason God gives us this message this morning. One of the first things... That you want you to see here. Starting in verse number 7. I believe these all fit together. Go from the presence of a foolish man. When thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Verse number 7. Verse number 8, the wisdom of a prudent is to understand what? His way. What's going on in my life? Am I following the Lord or am I following my own flesh? But the folly of fools is deceit. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous is favor. The heart knoweth his own what? Bitterness. There's not a person in here, lost or saved, doesn't know your own bitterness. I know what I'm angry at. I know what I'm unhappy about. I know what, I know what is the source of my issue. I know what it is. But notice the next part of this proverb. And a stranger doth not intermeddle with his what? I don't know about you. When I read that, I had to read that and reread that. And I said, now there's a, that's a confusing verse. Does not intermeddle with his joy? You realize that what, what the Bible's basically saying here is that bitterness has become, now listen to this, your God. Instead of having the joy of the Lord, listen, you know, when people have an excuse for the way they are, and they justify from the way they are, and they protect that. It says, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. You know, when you can excuse your sin, and that's, remember what I said at the beginning, bitterness is sin. 
And bitterness is not being able to see your fault in this sin. And blaming God and blaming somebody else is always the path that you take. And as long as you can use this as an obstacle for staying out of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and staying out of his will and doing what you want, listen what bitterness does, it becomes you justifying yourself no matter what it is. And it becomes an excuse to live an ungodly life. Oh, please listen to this, Christian. I dare say how many Christians that have started off have gotten caught in a root of bitterness and now are living in a justifying and ungodly life, living out their lust, justified. Don't tell me. I've heard some even vocally advise it, even here. This is the reason I'm not living for God. It became your God. Isn't bitterness a little bit of madness? Isn't it, haven't you bought into a lie of the devil, making an excuse for yourself because of this and this and this and this, and you justify it, and now you've, you're going to live ungodly because of this? I know people from one bad example, one bad experience in a church have now gone away and never going to come back. Now, you think they're going to stand before God and justify themselves? Oh, God said, well, yeah, you know what? I just kind of messed up there, and uh, I'm sorry that you were kind of the the result of uh, something I didn't do that was quite right, and that's exactly what you're going to think when you stand before God. God's going to have to say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you right now, God's not going to tell you he's sorry. He's going to tell you, listen, I allowed that in your life to bring you closer to me. And I wanted you to see the bitterness of sin. You couldn't stay there and you needed to get right. You realize there's things that's going to happen to you in your life that will never be uh, rectified in this life. So that means you better get over it, hadn't you? Go over it, underneath it, around it. I don't care what you do, but you better go to God and say... Bitterness will not be a part of my life because it has no place. Remember, it becomes your God. It becomes your reason to justify your lust, to live outside the will of God in your life. Oh, I hope you hear this. Proverbs chapter 17. Don't let bitterness become your God. Don't let it become your joy, your reason for living in your lust. Proverbs 17. Simple one. Verse 25. Foolishness. Foolish son is a grief to his father. And bitterness to her that bear him. Your bitterness against another or unresolvable issue. There are things that are going to happen to you and your family or maybe somebody in a relationship with some, and it will go south. Is that an excuse to stay in bitterness? 
Can you justify it? Never. But I can't have some positive things. I want to give you those. Jeremiah chapter number 2. Jeremiah chapter number 2. You say, is it possible that, that bitterness can, can have a positive spin on it? It sure can. And I believe we live in a day and age where we've got to understand this. You know, if we're in the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah chapter 2. <clears throat> Jeremiah, he's talking to, actually this is a, he says, uh, verse number 14, he says, is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? Verse 15, young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitants. Also the children of Noph and the and Taphanes have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou procured this unto thyself, in that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, when he led thee by the way? And now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Sihor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river? Thine own wickedness have corrupted shall correct thee. Thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. And thy fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. We have an example, I believe, of God using some very challenging circumstances to bring his people back. Turn to the book of Lamentations. I want you to see something else before we get away from Jeremiah. Lamentations. Chapter number three. Now think about it. Your Bible says, and my Bible says, that the Lord isn't willing that any should perish. Are you right? But that all should do what? Come to repentance. This is New Testament. Notice what it says here in Jeremiah chapter number 3, starting in verse number 15. Before we do, I want you to read the very first verse of chapter 3. He says, I am the man that has seen what? Who's speaking here? It's Jeremiah. By the rod of his wrath. Verse 2, he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into the light. Surely against me he is turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. 
My flesh and my skin hath made me old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He hath set me in dark place as they that be dead of the old. He hath hedged me about. I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. And when I, and also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayers. He hath enclosed my ways in huge stone. He hath made my paths crooked. I was unto me as a bear lying in wait, as a lion in the secret place. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set his mark upon for an arrow he hath caused the arrows of his quivers to enter into my reins. I was in derision to all my people, their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. I said in my strength, and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my afflictions and my misery and wormwood and gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance as in, is humbled in me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have what? Hope. How did God use Jeremiah? He was, I believe, at the beginning a very reluctant prophet. See, our heart, how many know there's lost people out there? If they don't, somebody don't go out and reach them, they're going to die and go to hell. How many know that? But they're going to die. They're going to die in their sin. If, we, if somehow our effort and our prayers and our uh, desire doesn't go and, and reach these lost people, they will die in their sin and go to hell. How many How many knew Who's God going to use to reach those people? Missionary Tobos? I mean, is it going to be just the Halls? Is it going to be just the Lewises and, uh, and their ministry there at, at Cornerstone? Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercy that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. And great is thy faith. And the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto all them that wait for him. And to the soul that seeketh him. And he is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he beareth his yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so may be, there may be hope. Listen, God used Jeremiah in a mighty way, but before he could, he had to get Jeremiah to a place that he felt about the situation in Israel the same way he did. Well, bitterness can happen. We may have reached a place of bitterness for a while. We're going to close. But I think that the bitterness that I think plagues most people, at least in this assembly, 
It could be that we're little Jeremiah's and God's trying to prepare our hearts to have a heart like his. But I think for the most part we have some bitterness that is not being profitable. Remember what we read in the first Proverbs 14. Your heart knows your bitterness. You can put your finger on it. This is why I'm angry. This is why I am the way I am. You can put your finger on it. My, my call and God's call is this morning. You put your finger on it and then you say it's wrong. It's sin. And you tell yourself and you tell God, God, I am not going to stay a bitter person because listen let me say this let me get this across your Christian life is on hold are you listening you're not going to go forward if anything you're going to slide what back and you've got to come a hold of this and you've got to say I'm not going to be angry about this situation I'm going to overcome this situation. I'm not going to let it plague my mind and my heart and my spirit. And I'm going to become repentant of this evil. Because if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. It's just a matter of time that you will be destroyed. Listen, if you're here today, one note, if you're here today... And you're lost. You haven't put Jesus Christ first in your life. Number one was salvation. Number two to serve him. And God is calling you today. God is allowing you. God's goodness is leading you to a place of changing your mind about the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me say, if you change your mind about the Lord Jesus Christ and you put your trust in him, he will change your life. A miracle will happen called new birth. So I encourage you, and listen, if your life is upside down, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Let's stand as we close. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord, it is so destructive, Father, when we stay in the land of bitterness.